0: Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. What a night it was last night in the organization. Almost an organizational sweep. This is the second time this year that every single team, every affiliated team, won at least one game. But hey, because of the, the, the rain out that Great Lakes had on Thursday night, they had to play a doubleheader. They lost the second game of that doubleheader. So it was not an organizational sweep from that perspective, but it was an organizational sweep in the sense that every single team in the organization won at least one game last night. And of course, you had the big win at the top, Bobby Miller got the start, so that was fantastic. It was a night full of just cram-packed action. One of the funnest nights of the year that I can remember, of course, I was nursing my sweet pup as she's trying to get better off her knee surgery. Want to give a big shout out to my beautiful bride, my wife, That what a great job she is doing helping with all that and allowing me to have some windows to actually watch some of these games and follow them and put out some of these shows so wanted to big uh, give a big thanks to her but that was one of the funnest nights of the year last night it was just tremendous action on every level I mean Tulsa went 13 innings Great Lakes had a great doubleheader Rancho had a good game of course obviously the game in Kansas City with LA was great and and the, the A Oklahoma City Dodgers had a wonderful game as well. So a fun night last night. So a lot to get into in today's show. But before we do, just a reminder, if you'd like to help by donating, we have a GoFundMe account and a link to that is in the description. And also, hey, keep leaving your wonderful comments. It has been fantastic. The War Room here is just awesome. Keep liking these videos, share these videos, keep telling all your friends about Dodgers daily, and make sure that you have your notifications on. Okay, so like we said, every team in the organization won at least one game we're going to start at the major league level with the los angeles dodgers so let's not waste any more time let's get right to it and let's talk dodgers baseball so the dodgers are 46 and 35 as the calendar flips to july they are two games back they're in second place a half game ahead of the san francisco giants two games back of arizona how about the Padres? The hapless Padres 11 and a half games back I've talked a couple of times They are likely to get hot at some point During the season. It looks like if they Do that and get hot, it's not going To be to, you know, threaten a Division title, of course, with all the different wild Cards. You never know at the playoffs when A team gets very hot, but it looks like If they do that, it's going to be, at least It's shaping up to be more of a spoiler Than it is to actually threaten A division title. So, boy, the Hapless Padres, they are 11 and a half games Back, games back of Arizona, having a very, very, very frustrating year. Last night, another great night. It was a hitting clinic by the Dodgers. Of course, you had the two home runs for Mookie Betts, scored in six different innings, had two different crooked numbers. So you had consistent offense, you had explosive offense, and you just had, you know, just overall great offense last night. Then you had the start by Bobby Miller that we're going to break down in detail here in just a minute. So the offense, okay, 11 hits, nine runs, four for 12 with runners in scoring position. So yes, we mentioned the last two games before this show that the Dodgers had been 16 for 33. So that would be 20 for 45 in the last three games of the runners in scoring position. Like I mentioned in yesterday's show, that's not always a stat that is on the high side for the Dodgers, so that is a very, very, very good thing. Mookie bets the two home runs, Four for four on the night, so it wasn't just the two home runs. How about the four for four on the night? And how about the offense, not just last night, but the offense he has been playing as of late the last seven games? Mookie Betts, 391 is his average, and his OPS is 1659. So he has been hot as can be in the last week. Five home runs in the last seven games, two doubles, 12 RBIs. And how about this? He has more walks than he does strikeouts during that period. That's, you know, it seems to work out that way when you're, when you're putting the ball in play more than you are striking out. It just seems like the overall offensive game Always is better. He has six walks in the last seven games, just four, walk, uh, four strikeouts. He has 10 runs scored and 17 total bases. So, Mookie Betts at the top of the lineup. You know, you talk about Mookie and Freddie. That is the best one-two combo in baseball, in my opinion. And certainly when Mookie Betts is playing the way he has, and we know how just unbelievably consistent Freddie Freeman is as well. Jason Hayward, how about him? He went three for four last night. He also has just been absolutely smoking hot in the last seven games he has a batting average of 500 during that span his OPS is 1374 he has a home run three doubles six RBIs six runs scored 17 total bases all in the last seven games this dude talked about getting picked up on a minor league contract what a pickup he has been for the Dodgers I talked early on in the spring training you can go back to some of my tweets on him the Dodgers I think backed up his timing a little bit and made him think left center field I think from that perspective that flattened him out just a touch and got him hitting in the part of his swing that you know is a little flatter instead of in the front of the swing when he's lifting a little bit where he tends to roll over a lot of ground balls and hit weak fly balls the left field I think that backed up timing of course he's strong you know to hit a 100 mile an hour pitch like like major leaguers can throw to let that ball get deeper it takes a lot of strength because man you know you don't have quite as much of that forward momentum with your bat path that a lot of guys need that don't have elite strength but I think we all agree that Jason Hayward has elite strength so why not back up the timing put him in the window of his swing that will make him more consistent. He's strong enough to handle it, and by doing that, we've seen the fruits of that labor. That's been the major adjustment he's made that I have seen, and it has absolutely worked. So the offense, again, great last night, second game in a row. The Dodgers have scored six runs or in six different innings in a game. So fantastic. Bobby Miller, the pitching. Okay, if you remember Bobby Miller in the performance, you know, his last performance, he mentioned that he would like to mix it up a little bit more earlier in the game. Well, I'll tell you what, last night you saw what Bobby Miller is. All five pitches, he was as unpredictable as any major league pitcher can get. And how about this? He brought his four seam out more than he did his sinker last night. We'll get into some of the, the, the data on and the metrics on his particular pitches, but what he wanted is he wanted to mix things up earlier in the game. He wanted to just not rely on uh, the sinker, slider, early, you you know the old theory that, hey, make him hit your fastball before you throw anything else. He wanted to show that he can pitch you know as far as throwing all five of his pitches more than just having to 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 dumb it down because he's a rookie and hey let's do you know let's make it simple for him he wanted to graduate from that and that's the pitch calling he got last night from Mark Pryor, and he got more four seams. Okay, so the four seam he threw last night, 29%. I'm going to show you the example of what I'm talking about here. The slider was 24%, curve 18%, sinker just 17%. The sinker had been his dominant pitch coming into last night, and then he threw the changeup 11% of the time. So he threw every single pitch at least 10 times and at least 11% or more of the night. So he got what he asked for. He got the pitch calling that made him more predictable. He got the pitch calling that allowed him to dive into his bag as far as his pitch mix goes. And so whenever you saw his post-game comments last night where he totally took on ownership of his entire performance where he said, hey, I might have been a little bit luckier than I actually pitched. he, He acted disappointed in himself. That's because he was given what he asked for in terms of the pitch mix and he felt like he could have done better. That is a champion right there. That's a guy That is thinking like a dude. That's a guy that's thinking like an ace. That's a guy that's thinking like he should dominate every single time out as a matter of fact five and two-thirds innings three runs and he had four k's just one strikeout or one walk so he had a four to one strikeout to walk ratio i talk about that you know that formula give at least six innings he went five and two-thirds give four runs or less he gave up just three so that's a performance last night especially against a team like the royals the dodgers or if they get a start Like the Bobby Miller gave them last night, they should win the vast majority of those games, and they did. So the start was good for Bobby Miller, but I love the fact that he expects more out of himself that was absolutely fantastic hey i told you the first thing the dodgers needed to do in the last podcast was bring back daniel hudson i am usually and completely totally wrong on all the transactions the dodgers make they make so many and so many of them are just wildly unpredictable and they are right almost all the time with their transactions but i i had this one nailed i thought they were going to bring daniel hudson back up i had seen him i had told you he was 94 to 95 on his four seam, I told you though that the slider had been very good. And for those factors, I felt like he was ready. And why not just, hey, instead of giving him rehab innings in Triple A Oklahoma City, let's get, you know, it's only one inning at a time. Let's give those innings. Uh, you know at the major league level especially when you have a game last night where where it's, it's you know you had a, a good window to incorporate him back into so how about this 94 95 on the four seam but the slider that's the pitch that that's really kind of setting things off for Daniel Hudson 33 inches of vertical vertical drop to the slider i mean that's more curveball range but when you're talking about the tight spin that a slider gets a tighter spin than a curveball and also 33 inches of vertical drop. The 94-95 will play well enough, definitely off of that to get Major League out. So welcome back, Daniel Hudson, no doubt about that. And how about Justin Brule? He came back, you know, a couple days ago through a scoreless inning. The cutter was fantastic last night. That you know, he has that cutter slider, so he kind of cuts it to get away from barrels, and then he slides it a little bit more. to to get, you know, a little bit more swing and miss. So you saw the cutter there, like I said, smaller break, and then you have the slider that gets more of the swing and miss. So great job by Justin Brule. A great game last night. You continue to play Kansas City, and then you have the Pittsburgh Pirates for four games. That was the one I couldn't remember. So you actually have... You actually have the two games at Kansas City, the four games with the Pirates, and then the two games with the Angels before the All-Star break. That is eight games right there. And theoretically, you're probably going to be favored to win every game. Man, of course, it's baseball. It's hard to go 8-0, especially the way the Dodgers have been playing as of late. But eight extremely, extremely winnable games, certainly possible by All-Star break. Didn't reach the metric of being within one game. Uh, at, at, the, at the you know at the beginning of July, but certainly still have it in front of you to go back into first place before the All Star break. Of course, you're going to need some help from Arizona, who has been playing great. So you know, hey, it's probably not going to happen. You know, the the odds would probably say it's not going to happen because Arizona is playing so well but it's certainly good. Uh, It certainly could. So, hey, that's our talk on the Dodgers for today. Time now to move our attention to the minor leagues. There was a lot of action, so get some popcorn, settle in, and I hope you enjoy the show. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it, and let's take a trip down on the farm. The Oklahoma City Dodgers won 11-2 last night over the AAA affiliates of the Houston Astros, the Sugar Land Space Cowboys. Oklahoma City now 52-24 and on the season. Gavin Stone was scheduled to start that game. I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what happened. I have pretty good sources on that. Nothing to worry about. You know, Ghost Stone ended up not pitching last night, but again, if my information is correct, which I am almost certain it is, there's absolutely nothing to worry about in that scenario. So instead, Brian Hudson, he got the start last night through two innings to start the game, and he went scoreless, had five strikeouts and just one walk, and had a 57% whiff rate on his slider. Jake Reed actually got the win. He went one and zero on the season. He actually threw three innings, gave up just one run, had a strikeout and a walk. Keegan Curtis had his first hold of the year. He threw well last night. Three innings, gave up no runs, and had five strikeouts, just one walk, and then Wander Suero finished it on the pitching side giving up just one run in his one inning to finish the game last night. Again, the Triple Oklahoma City Dodgers, they won 11-2 to move to 52-24 and on the season. Jake Reed was very good again last night going three innings scoreless. And, hey, I'll tell you what, 90-91, the velo is not exactly, you know, unbelievable. It's certainly not elite or anything like that. But how about this, on that 90-91 sinker, it was getting 38 inches of vertical break, vertical drop to it, and then his slider, his four seam, and his slider uh, was good. His four seam was 89.90, but his slider was getting 45 inches of horizontal break. So he was giving two different shapes last night. He was giving the downward shape to the sinker at 38 inches. He was giving the sideways break of the slider at 45 inches, and when you combine $90.91 on that, you know, as far as the 38 inches of uh, vertical break. That's why he's getting out. So that's, you know, a movement over Velo. Of course, a lot of us grew up with that that, you know, being told that over and over and over and that certainly is working right now for Jake Reed, so we'll keep an eye on him. Here's a good look at right-hander Keegan Curtis who went 3-inning scoreless last night. That was a great outing for him to get out there on the mound and extend, and then also have the success that he had five strikeouts, just one walk. This is a young man who has been with the Yankees. As a matter of fact, he was drafted by the Yankees in 2018 in the 22nd round. He has most recently been with the Diamondbacks. He was with the Amarillo Sod Poodles. I actually got to see him pitch with Amarillo last year, and then he came on over to the Dodgers in the offseason. Good stuff. And like I said, obviously, any time that you can go – three innings and strike out five. Look at that good breaking ball, good depth of that, good tight spin to it. And then that four slot fastball kind of has that over the top delivery and there's a good slider. So you've seen, you know, kind of a bigger breaking ball that you saw in the inner half of the plate. You saw the good fastball to the four slot and then a good slider. I'm going to repeat that and play that again. You saw the good slider from Keegan Carter and look at that, you know, kind of that that fade on the, on the four seam there. It's kind of running back in on the righty to the point where he actually broke a bat. So you have the right turn, of that i'm going to call that a sinker i have not actually looked at his yeah, at his stat cast data that's Devin mann there playing first base to see exactly what that's listed at but what no matter what it's listed kind of like imagee and it's playing like a a two-seam sinker with that right turn to it you saw the good tight slider with the left turn you saw the four slot fastball that straight right there that one straightens out that rides the top of the zone so it looks to me like you know, there's a there's that good breaking ball. That looks like a curveball to me. So, hey, it looks like he's throwing a sinker as far as shapes go. Now, whatever they want to label and list them, that's up to them. But he's throwing a sinker with a right turn. He's throwing a four seam that's riding the top of the zone. A good vertical tumbling uh, curveball and then a good tight left turning slider. So that's a good combination for Keegan Curtis. And that's why he went three innings scoreless last night. Five strikeouts, just one walk. My man Drew Evans had three hits last night for A Oklahoma City. Three hits, and he has hits in five of his last six games. Seven of his last night. Hey, you're just kind of throwing this out here. It's on the periphery because he doesn't hit a ton of home runs. Let me replay that. But... Hey, he has 10 home runs on the season, and he has 13 stolen bases. So, of course, I don't want Drew Abens to turn into a guy who's trying to hit home runs. He's the guy I always talk about that has a little bit more of a downward path, a little flatter of a swing, if not a downward plane to his swing, which I've mentioned several times I think the Dodgers need more of. So, certainly don't want him to turn into a guy who's just trying to launch the ball and hit home runs. But if he can duplicate his home run production from the first half and his stolen base production – he is going to be a 2020 guy, Drew Avens. Try that on for size. Jamite Jones, what a night he had. Two hits for Triple Oklahoma City, four RBIs, has raised his average to 292. Another one of those table-setting guys. We talked about Yanni Hernandez, Drew Evans. We've talked about Bryson Brigman, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, had a Huge night last night. Love the fact, and hey, guess what? The, the Oklahoma City Dodgers have all these table setters, and guess what? They have a ridiculously good record on the season of 52-24, and 24, and I don't think that's any coincidence. When you have guys that are doing this right here and just getting base hits and getting on base, All day long, by the time you actually do hit a double or a home run, it's not a solo because there's always somebody on base. It seems like every base hit you get is scoring a run because there's always guys in scoring position because you have guys that get on base and get over with stealing bases and are just great athletes. That is a just tremendous style of baseball. If the Dodgers need a blueprint, of what you know, a what a on an offense that can score in a multitude of ways and put pressure on a defense by using just great athletes that are very aggressive. All I need to look at is a triple A team with guys like Drew Evans, Yanni Hernandez, Jemai Jones, Bryson Brigman. Just look at those guys and that'll show you just how successful that style of baseball can be. Well, welcome back Michael Bush and you know, can you believe it? He had two hits. He had a multi-hit game and he had a hit his very first at bat. This dude, I don't know why he's in AAA right now. Hey, I don't mean this as a criticism of anybody because I think you know if you watch this show enough, I am huge on the front office and the decisions they make. I love the fact that they collaborate on every single thing they do and they get it right almost every time. They don't have it right with this guy. Michael Bush should be in the major leagues right now. He should be getting at least 200 at-bats, maybe 300. He's a guy that takes a while to get comfortable. He's had to get comfortable at every single level that he's jumped. So if you're just going to give him, hey, a game here or there or maybe a week here or there, you're not going to see what Michael Bush actually can do for the team but hey all he can do is continue to rake where his feet are at at that moment where his feet are at right now is in triple a oklahoma city and last night he had two hits again again he had two rbis and he's sitting 315 with triple a oklahoma city 971 ops so he's done just about like i said earlier everything he possibly can at this level So, Bryson Brigman, man, I talked about, I kind of broke down his swing. Look how, let me back this up. This is a home run, but watch how he attacks this ball. Okay, Brigman, watch the hands. I want you to watch the hands there. Okay, there is a zero-degree slot where the barrel flattens, and then watch the hands from there. Okay, see how his hands still go down in the front of the swing, then they lift at the front. That is just awesome right there as far as, and very athletic with lower half, as far as how he is attacking that ball. And the reason why I say that is, That home run just happened. That was a mistake for him. Home runs for guys like Bryson Brigman are mistakes in the sense. And what I mean by that is they're actually just trying to hit the ball hard. They're just trying to make hard contact and hit a line drive. And every so often, they catch it either out front like here, like Bryson Brigman did. See, I caught that out front, which is why he was able to get that ball in the air. And or they catch a pitch. That they can get in the air and they hit a home run. But it's not what they're trying to do. So, hey, another one of these table setters, Bryson Brigman, first home run with Triple A Oklahoma City. He's hitting 270 with an on base percentage of 324. Boy, what a game it was last night for Double A Tulsa. You're seeing Diego Cartaya hit a home run right here. That was just the beginning of the fireworks. It was a 13 inning marathon that the Double A Tulsa Drillers eventually won 7 to 6. They banged out. Ten hits on the night, seven runs. And on the night, Diego Cartaya, he hit this home run that you're seeing. And for him, that was home run on the year number 10. And the great thing about that, let me replay that. Watch out. This is an inside pitch. This is the pitch that has been beating him. That inside pitch right there. See how it's getting in on his hands and that's the pitch he has not been able to get to. And I want you to watch the path of his hands again. The reason why he is able to get to this great adjustment I've talked about the reason why he has not been able to get to that inside pitch is because he's had a negative bat angle and also lifting the hands. Did not lift the hands on this inside pitch. He has absolutely made that adjustment. And when you look at that torque, look how his body's coming this way, but his hands are going that way. That's that rubber band effect that I was talking about earlier. Look at the hip placement and his shoulders and the way that his head is slotted. That is a very well-connected body, but also a body that has the hands turning away from the direction of the body, which means you're creating that rubber band torque and getting a tremendous amount of power. This is an adjustment that Diego Cartaya had to make, and I am super pumped because if this is an adjustment that he can stay with, you're going to see more of this, and that is home runs because the potential for this dude is just off the wall. The the period of time where he has struggled at double-A, You know, if it's used properly, which it looks like to me it has been, could be a difference maker for him in the sense that he has figured out what he's had to do to remove holes in his swing. And if he does that, watch out. So Diego Cartaya, super excited about the home run he hit last night. Boy, 13 innings will certainly tax your bullpen, no doubt about that. Kyle Hurt got the start. He went 3.1 innings. He gave up two runs, which, hey, in San is not a bad thing because the ball just never seems to go down there with a just it's like a desert atmosphere and the ball just carries and carries and carries aldria Acosta, he went one and a third innings he gave up a run and then hey you're looking at ben harris this is his you know this is a it was a was a good performance for him he gave he went one and a third innings and he gave up no earned runs on the day Ryan Sublette had his sixth hold of the season. We're going to get to him. He went one inning, scored us. John Rooney gave up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Jordan Leisure, who we're going to look at here in a minute, one and third inning, scored us. And then Tanner Dodson, he went two innings, scoreless as well. Then Brayden Fisher, Fisher closed the night up, boy, in dramatic fashion, as he always does, going two innings, scored us and actually got the the save his second save and actually he got uh, he actually got the win to move to five and one on the season it was an extremely exciting game and lost last night not only the conditions favorable in west texas and amarillo the strike zone was very very small there were boy the corners you know hey the plate can be extended to 21 inches it's 17 inches wide but then if you use the entire width of the ball. If any part of the inside of the ball is actually touching the plate, that is a strike as well. So... Although the plate is only 17 inches, you actually have 21 inches of a strike zone. And last night, I don't think all of that 21 inches was being used. It was a tight strike zone to go with, you know, the the desert-type conditions in West Texas. And that's why you had the long 13-inning game. One of the reasons, at least, this is Ben Harris, who went one-and-third inning scoreless, preserved the lead for Tulsa. Harris is on another heater. He's gone scoreless in five in a row, 11 of his last 12, and 15 of his last 17. Ryan Sublette went to Texas uh, to college at Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, which is just down the road, about a little bit over an hour and a half from where he was pitching last night in Amarillo. So I, I would think, you know, this being the part of the season where where the college coaches have a little bit more time on their hands, somebody or at least a group of people probably had the chance to go get and watch, go get to see their former Red Raider Ryan Sublette pitch for. The Double A Tulsa Drillers against Amarillo. So he was back home in West Texas, and, boy, he put on a show. You know, normally Ryan Supleta is very good, but that breaking ball right there, that slider, it was a little bit tighter last night. And, he, you know, that right there, that that slider pitch, that was just absolutely just on point last night, more so even than normal, which even normally Ryan Supleta, I always talk about how high I am on him. But he had a little bit extra last night. He struck out. Two, and his one-inning scoreless has struck out two out of the three outs, and you're getting a good look at why. Look at that slider. Really good outing for Jordan Leisure, man. I love this guy out of the University of Tampa. Did a great job going scoreless and one a third innings of work last night and kept the game alive, of course. If you let any of those runs score, the drillers would not have won. They would not have gone extra innings. And this is a drillers team that has seen a whole bunch of turnover to the roster. They have been scuffling in terms of the wins and losses as of late. So, you know, hey, it's a long season and one game goes into the next. But there are some games that just feel better than others and last night felt like a really great win for the AA Tulsa Drillers. Leisure's gone scoreless and four in a row and has 11 strikeouts to just one walk in his last four games. I always talk about Leisure. He's hit 99. I put a poll on my Instagram the other day for anybody to see and to vote on will he hit will he hit 100 miles an hour this year or after this year and all of his teammates voted that he will hit 100 miles an hour this year so and I always talk about his cool calm demeanor you can see it Right here, never lets anything bother him. I think he's definitely a closer candidate, and I know him and Jake polarski are good friends. I love the little skit the drillers did the other day where they had him and Jake try to pronounce all the Oklahoma towns. They started with Tahlequah and they had Tusca and towns like that, and that was a good little skit. So, although he may not be able to pronounce Oklahoma towns, hey, and he's from Florida. The funny one was, he's from Florida, and we have a town in Oklahoma. That is spelled M-I-A-M-I like Miami, but it's actually pronounced Miami. And he read that and they told him Miami. And he's like, you know, dude, I'm from Florida, so that's always going to read Miami for me. Hey, if you haven't seen that skit, go to one of the social medias of the Tulsa Drillers. That was absolutely awesome. The Drillers pounded out 10 hits and seven runs last night, thanks in large part to the three hits from Brandon Lewis last night. Austin Gothier had a hit. He went one for five. On the evening, Jose Ramos had a couple of base hits. Eddie Leonard actually had a triple. He went one for five. Diego Cartaya, we saw here in a minute, or we just saw just a minute ago. He had two hits on the night, including his 10th home run. El Diaz had a hit. He went one for four. And then Brandon Lewis. Had three hits on the night last night, and the double A Tulsa drillers they needed every single one of them. The numbers don't look great for Lewis, but I tell you, man, he's a big guy with a lot of power and a sweet swing that can use every part of the field. So, hey, the hit tool is there for Lewis, just got to get hot and got to get it going. If you've heard me say once, you've heard me say it a thousand times that Braden Fisher does his best work when it matters the most, and that is an absolute fact. He threw the 12th and 3rd inning 13th innings last night and he had traffic everywhere and he had drama everywhere and just with his cool demeanor he worked right through it and eventually got the win last night for Double A Tulsa in the 13-inning marathon. He didn't give up an earned run. He got the save. Actually, got the win. That is incorrect about the save. Like I always say, again, great work when it matters the most. So, attaboy, Braden Fisher. Had a chance to talk to him twice. Again, got a chance to meet his entire family last weekend. Wonderful people. Got a root for this young man. And, boy, did he do a good job. Back in his home state of Texas. Max Bruns got the doubleheader day started in great fashion for Great Lakes last night. Great Lakes, again, they split a doubleheader. Bruns went four innings. He gave up no earned runs. It had four strikeouts, just one, rock, just one walk. This is Maddox Bruns' fifth score to start in terms of earned runs since May 23rd. So that's very impressive in that span of those five starts. That's 18, three, uh, 18.3 innings in total. And he, his fastball was 95-97 to 97 last night. So the young man out of Mobile, Alabama, you know, all the starting pitching left-handed, is at Great Lakes right now. Now that Alec Gamboa and John Rooney have been moved to the pen for, of course, Gamboa is with Oklahoma City now. John Rooney still with Tulsa. We have Maddox Bruns. You have Justin Robleski. Ronan Cops. so the left-handed pitching is coming. It's at Great Lakes right now. Maddox Bruns got the day started last night for Great Lakes on the doubleheader. Anytime you have a doubleheader, and, you know, doubleheaders in the minor leagues are seven innings apiece, and your starter goes four and third, that helps a lot. And then – you know, so obviously a good night. Jack Dreyer also came in and had a good day. He went one and two-thirds innings. Then Michael Hobbs finished the game going one-third in the first game. That, the Great Lakes Loons won. So good outing for Maddox Bruns. Who else would you rather have at the plate with the bases loaded and the game on the line? You can see the score here. The Loons were losing 2-1. to one. Taylor Young comes up and clears the bases with a game-winning triple. Bottom of six. And watch this energy. His teammates absolutely love him. I've had pictures of anything of, you know, dogs drawn in the heart of of his x-rays, stuff like that. This guy, Taylor Young, is an absolute dog. D-A-W-G, meaning he has just that competitive grit to him. Nobody would rather have up in that situation. Young is eight for his last 18 with three doubles. He has this base-clearing triple and seven RBIs. And, hey, just like they always talked about at Louisiana Tech, He's just getting started. My man, Max Hewitt, boy, what a day he had. He had this opposite field double, and he had some just absolutely awesome plays. I'm going to show you one here in a minute. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you one of his great plays he made against one of his former college teammates back at Oklahoma State. Again, I got to see just about every at-bat of Hewitt while he was in college. What a great player he was. What a gritty player. Another one of those high IQ guys that the Great Lakes Loons have on their team. Look at this nice play. That's not the best play that he made on the day. So here's that great play we're talking about. That's Caden Trinkle hitting. He went to Oklahoma State. That's Max Hewitt catching it, fielding it, throwing it. He went to Oklahoma State. Teammates. So, hey, man, I saw this so many times in inter-squads going all the way back to 2018, 2019 at Oklahoma State, the fall inter squads, the spring inter squads, Caden Trinkle hitting it to Max Hewitt, who made a great player. That it was just super fun to me for me to watch, so I had to put this put that one on the show. The loons in the first game, they pounded out four hits, only four hits. That's all they needed because they scored four runs and that held up to Win four to three in the afternoon. The first game of the doubleheader yesterday, Bubba Aline. He went three for six in the doubleheader. And hey, how about this? He has hits in four games in a row and eight of his last nine for the the Big Ten player of the year last year, Bubba Aline. Nobody is hotter than Luis Diaz, who had his back-to-back three-hit games. Man, wow, he is just absolutely torrid hitting right now, torrid, T-O-R-R-I-D. I don't want you to think I said horrid. It's torrid hitting, which meaning great hitting. Okay, he went three for three last night and hit his fourth home run of 2023 that you just saw. He has hits in nine of his last 10 games. And like I said, last night was his fourth, actually I, I shorted him, his fourth three-hit games in his last eight. So he has back-to-back three-hit games and four three-hit games in his last eights. So Luis Diaz, wow, he has been absolutely on fire. Good outing for Ronaldo, Ronaldo de Paula. He finished off the Friday night doubleheader for Great Lakes, a game that they did not win, but de Paula was good. He went two innings, scored a struck out three, and walked none. So, de Paula right there has that good slider has kind of a you know a unique delivery to him it looks interesting coming out a different look to the hitter and it has a good left turn so Ronaldo De Paula good outing the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes last night they had a good game they won 8 to 6 over Vasalla they banged out 12 hits and 8 runs on the evening Jose Izada had a good night 2 for 4 Josue de Paula went 2 for 4 here seeing Right here, Jorge Puerta, he had three hits. He was the hitter of the night. He went three for four. Rain Don Cone also had a multi-hit night, going two for three. Luis Rodriguez had a multi-hit night as well, going two for three. And Kenneth Betancourt, he also had a hit, went one for three as well. So, again, 12 hits for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Eight runs, they win eight to six. Another good outing last night for Lucas Webb he, as he finished the game scoreless in the last inning and actually got his fourth save of the season. Peter Hubeck started. His last two starts have been just fantastic. Last night went a little bit sideways, four innings, three runs for him, but he did have five strikeouts and no walks. So there were a lot of good signs for Peter Hubeck last night. Christian Romero got his fifth win of the season to move to 5 and 0. Oh. He went two innings scoreless, had a strikeout and a walk. Ronaldo Yeen, a good feature on him over on Dodgers 2080. With Tim Rogers, if you want to go check that out, he went one inning and gave up. A little went sideways on him, but. Three runs, he had two strikeouts and no walks. So kind of like Peter Hubeck. Although, you know, the run total doesn't look good. There were some good signs in terms of strikeout to walk ratio. Calvin Batista got his fir- fourth hold of the season, going one inning scoreless, and he struck out two of the three hitters that he faced. And Lucas Webb got his fourth save, one inning that you're seeing here, Lucas Webb pitching, one inning scoreless, did not strike anybody out, did not walk anybody. And again, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, they won last night eight to six to move the record. 44 and 28. So there you have it. I told you it's going to be a very, very, very busy day. It was a very successful day. You want the major league level, the double A AA and triple A level, and hey, every team won at least one game. Great Lakes, they split their double header, and then you finish the night off in style. With Rancho winning their game with great action. So hope you enjoyed today's show. And the next show you'll see from me will be coming Monday morning. So hope you tune into that one as well. Before we get out of here, just a reminder: if you'd like to help Dodgers Daily, we have a GoFundMe account, and the link to that is in the description if you'd like to donate. Also, hey, keep leaving comments, keep interacting with these videos, and keep telling all your friends and sharing these videos, make sure you click the like button and turn on the notifications. As always, thanks for tuning in and go Dodgers.